and give the Lord praise today. It's a brand new day. We're in a series at the church called Made Well, Body, Soul, and Spirit, coming from the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, which says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Now when Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, they're called, around Thessalonica, there are probably hundreds in the whole region, perhaps thousands of locations, because the church would gather in homes and they would gather in semi-large places. They didn't have big cathedrals or, or big church buildings. And so in the New Testament era, when you see a letter that's written, sometimes we think he's just writing to us personally. Yes, it, we can read it that way. It's God's word to us now. But it's also a word to the church. And the way it was done is Paul didn't go all over the place himself. He didn't go hang out with everyone. It would have been impossible. So he would write the letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then the leaders of each local place, the elders of that church, would read it to the church. And then the church would receive that letter into them as if God was speaking to the whole church. Listen, this is really important because it's kind of like what we're doing right now. We're going to four different locations plus online in people's homes. And we're not just trying to hear what the pastor is saying, but we're leaning into what God is saying to us as the church. And so it's not about the method of communication, the letter, the video, whatever means that you hear it on a podcast. It's more about us as a church seeing ourselves as those that receive words from Jesus. And listen, this is not about theater religion. This is actually what happens inside of you. So in those locations, in those days when the letter was written, Paul would say something to the church, but really the real incredible, supernatural, amazing things that were happening in the church were happening in homes. They were happening in the context of relationship. It's about what happens shoulder to shoulder. It's about what happens when you get to be connected to other believers. And let me tell you this, for me as a, as a pastor, I, I'm underneath authority. I have leaders that I come underneath. I, I submit, I willingly submit myself to other leaders and I wanna do my part. But listen, I only have one part. I get to deliver what I think God is saying to the whole church. Guess what the church's part is? The church's part is to receive that into their lives and to say, no, that's, this is for me, this is for us. And when you receive it in, that's where God goes to work. He doesn't go to work just in a room like this or in a service. He goes to work in your Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. That's where it happens when you gather together. That's why so big on groups of any Form. It could be a connect group. It could be families that get together over lunch and, 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 and debate whether or not my message was good or whatever they do. But when they gather together and there's true fellowship, guess what? The Holy Spirit goes to work in your life right there. Come on, somebody. That's good. Now, what did Paul say? He said, may the God of peace make you holy, body, soul, and spirit. May the God of peace, the one who is peace, speak peace over you. 
Peace is the completeness, the shalom of heaven. It's the nothing missing. Even in difficult circumstances, I, I can know that I'm okay, that God's peace is in me and with me. May the God of peace make you holy, it says. To be made holy is there's nothing missing. May he fill in the gaps. May he come in. Now, there's a lot of broken people in the world, including me. One of the greatest things I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it's not I have to be perfect and then I'm holy. No, in the gospels it's I come to him imperfect with all my flaws, with the brokenness, and he makes me holy. It's his grace that completes the circle. And by his grace, I'm growing. The things I was weak to before, I'm growing out of. I should be growing more and more like my Savior. And so he's making, may he make you holy. So we've been talking about the process of being made well, being made whole. We talked about how God heals people and the supernatural comes and heals bodies. We've had, we've had dozens of people physically healed during this series on each of our locations. It's powerful. And then we've, we've talked about how he also does it internally, your mind, your will, and emotions. Today, I'm going to lean in a little bit more on the spirit. And uh, when we get there, I want you to have a vision like I do that God isn't going to stop where we are now, but he's going to take us forward into the future. It was several years ago, uh, Jody and I have four sons, and uh, I was, uh, and those four boys were amazing, um, sitting on the couch with their Michigan gear, Michigan fans, and, uh, and I, we've got quite a few Ohio State fans in the church, and I don't know, but God's grace covers every crack. It takes care of everything. But I remember I was sitting in church one Sunday morning, just like you are right now, and I wrote on the back of an offering envelope my son's ages at the time. They were eight, six, four, and two. And I, I started thinking about how old they would be in 10 years, 18, 16, 14, and 12. And then I began to think about the journey in those 10 years that make them into the person they're going to be and how much they needed their father and my time with them and what would the impartation of my life be to them during that time? Would I train them right? Would I show them who, or what kind of men they could be, men of God that they could be? What would I do? And I started realizing I needed to make a plan for the next 10 years. I need to have a vision, not just for where I am, but where I'm going. And when it comes to you and your life, you and I need to have a vision that God is going to take us somewhere. And that doesn't matter what age you are. You, you could be out of the child-rearing age. You could be in retirement and God still wants to give you vision for the next stretch of time for you. And if we do, it's not going to just be what we plan and what we know and how we can do it. Because how many know we mess it up sometimes? But it's really going to be about how God helps us work forward and he, by his supernatural strength, transforms us and helps us. And there are real obstacles. I mean, in this day and age, I sat next to a, a dad at the high school football game the other night, never met him before. I was just sitting there and asking him questions. And, and I'm like, so, you know, your kid's playing football? No. I've got a couple in hockey and a couple in soccer. And I go, oh, your life is pro pro real busy, isn't it? And his wife whipped her head around. 
busy. Like, she was angry about their life because they're taxi cab drivers taking their kids to everything. And, and I, I think that's probably a fairly common experience for many people. It is freeing when your kids get their driver's license. You know, it can be freeing. You know, you, you worry about that day, but when it comes and they become a driver, thank you, Jesus, right? But the obstacles are overwhelming sometimes, and they can kind of work on us to, to drift away from the person that God designed us to be. So today's title, you're going to understand it in a few moments, is this, How to Keep the Zoe. How to Keep the Zoe. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus is going to speak to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, is a teacher of the law. He's respected. He knows the law. But he comes to Jesus under the cloak of darkness. He comes at night. In John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now this religious leader had every formula down, every right behavior, every right action, what days to work, how to speak. He had everything down, but he was observing something about Jesus and the people that have been around Jesus. They were different, and he was curious. He might have been skeptical. He was curious enough to come and ask Jesus. He was kind of trying to lean into a conversation. How many know Jesus kind of skips all the perfunctories and gets right to the point? And he says, listen, if you want what you're seeing around you, which is really the kingdom of God, you don't go through a master's degree education. You don't have to take five classes and get certified. You don't go through all of that. And actually, you can't do anything to make that happen. You have to be born again, to be born again of the Spirit. In other words, he's saying you can't do it. So Nicodemus is like being informed that life transformation happens outside of just me making it happen. This is important news to you, church, on this day. This is important news to the skeptic listening to me. Yes, you see behaviors. You'll see misbehaviors of people in the church world. You can point out whatever you want to point out. But when you look in the mirror and you want to change, the only way to have full Zoe life transformation is by the spirit of the living God. You've got to be born again. That's the only way it happens. Jesus says, you don't change you. That happens by the Spirit. Look at verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but, I, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming and doing what we cannot do. But it's also reflecting something about you and me. We have a Spirit. 
So we're used to our outside, our body. We can change our body. We can work on our body. We can do all kinds of things with it. We can spend a lot of money on our body. And how many know if you don't keep spending the money and you don't keep working out, it goes right back to where it was, right? We can work on our internal world. As I talked about last week, I'm a big believer in and working on the mind, the will, and the emotions, the, the area of the soul. And it's good to go to a counselor if they can help you. It's good to be in relationship with other people. But the Holy Spirit is the big C counselor. He's the one that knows you best and can walk you through. But when it comes to the world of the Spirit, that innermost part of who you are, the eternal part of you, you can't do anything to make it something. Only God can transform you and give you life now and life for eternity. Jesus is saying that. And listen, when the Spirit of God touches your spirit, now all of a sudden you become a part of the family of God. Romans 8, 18. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now this is so cool because, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, you can be born again. It doesn't matter what religious background you, you come from, how you were raised. It doesn't matter if you've been in 50 different churches in the last three years. It doesn't matter if you've never been to church before today. When it comes to Jesus, he promises you, you can be born again and brought into his family. Come on, somebody, that's good news. And we don't do it, he does it. He does the impossible. So being made well continually requires continual connection to the Spirit. It's not just about the beginning. It's not just about that first time that you surrendered your life to Christ and you became born again. It's also about the promise that he can continue to touch your spirit at every age and every stage of your life. You are dealing with different things today than you were 10 years ago and the spirit of God can touch you today just as he did the day you gave your life to Jesus. You can continue to be made new. Now I want you to follow this thought, Jesus, in the very next chapter of John. In John chapter 4, he goes up to a woman at the well, and he begins to talk to her and have a dialogue. And there's a ton of different messages wrapped up in this moment. But in the dialogue, there's a real cool window when God showing us through Jesus our lives and how we continuously connect to him. And in John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus says this. He says, but the time is coming, indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Healing and restoration for your life comes from worship involving two parts of you, your spirit and then, of course, his truth in you. And I want to talk about his Spirit and your spirit. Your spirit is that inner part of you that lives forever and directs the other parts of your life. And your spirit, your life, is meant to primarily connect with God through worship. Now, I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about a relationship you and I can have with God when we're not singing, when we offer our whole life to him. 
And God is not up there to hit us over the head with a baseball bat. You know what? Actually, he's offered a connection, a relational connection with us. When we live in worship, our spirit connects with his spirit. We're not worried about what anybody else thinks. We're connected to his spirit. You know, it's possible to be worshiping on the outside but not be worshiping on the inside. It's possible to be going through the motions but not really being connected to God. So Jesus says you've got to be connected in your spirit, not just in your body. Not just kind of go through the motions. You've got to connect with them. I remember a story a few years ago about a group of ministers that were at a Christmas gathering and somebody was playing the piano real softly and it sounded kind of like church music a little bit. And then uh, while they're, they're talking around the tables and eating their food, somebody started playing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And it sounded really cool. And around the room, there were several ministers that started raising their hands. All they were doing, it wasn't their spirit connecting to God's spirit. They were caught in the mood. Sometimes we get caught up in the mood of worship, not our spirits connecting with the living God. And I want to challenge you, church. Let's be people that worship him in our spirit, truly in our spirit. And then it says in truth. And when it comes to truth, there's all kinds of truth in the world, but which truth is he talking about? It's talking about his truth. That's what the Bible's all about. That's what the word of God is all about. Jesus is truth. In fact, Jesus declares something about our lives in worship when he says these words in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way through all of the murkiness of COVID land, right? How do I make my way through 2021 and all the different changes going on around me or all the changes in your employment or maybe some of your friendships have gone through just a, a disconnection point of your story. Jesus is your way. He's also the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's, he's not facts. He's the truth. There's lots of people that have facts, but Jesus is the truth. He is the one that you can trust, and he's our light in the middle of the foggy times. And he is our life. Life, the Greek word for that is zoe. Zoe just simply means the, the, the completeness to its fullest. It's not just having a heartbeat. It's saying, I have everything in activity. I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm complete. I've got the peace, love, and joy of the Holy Spirit. I am full of everything that's made available. I have that complete. That's what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring that zoe. And he declares that we can have that. The danger is our spirit and truth can drift away from our zoe. We can somehow move away from that, and then we become bodies in a church with a spirit that doesn't have life. Church, we need to have life in this church. We need to be people tapping into the spirit, and our worship is our connection. So when you feel depleted, you need to worship some more. You need to connect some more. You need to reconnect with the one that gives you life. So I want to give you three things, how to keep the zoe, 
body, soul, and spirit. How can you have that for that vision for your life over the next number of years? Number one, watch and pray. Watch and pray. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he went to pray with his disciples, and, uh, and they fell asleep. And he made a statement to them in Matthew 26. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not, be, not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know what he's saying is he recognizes and he just, he just states it as a fact. You are a contradiction in terms. You have wars inside of what you want to do and what you should do. Right? Isn't that what Paul talked about in Romans? The thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Well, Jesus says it this way. He says, hey, listen, your spirit really wants what's right. But your flesh, your mind, your will, and emotions, they want what's not right. So in reality, what it's saying is, hey, I want, I want you to recognize I deal with this. You just lost the battle when you fell asleep. But then he says this, watch and pray. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and give them the big eye look. You ever give somebody like a big eye? I've given my kids that when they were in trouble when they were younger. Watch means keep your eyes open, keep looking. And all I would say today is this, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in your story, no matter where your marriage is and the challenges that you face, no matter what you're walking through with your business or what you're thinking about with your children or what you're thinking about with your health, I want you to hear me in this. Open your eyes because the Spirit of God might do something today. He might be speaking you today. You don't want to miss what Jesus wants to do in your story today. Can I get an amen to that? And then he says to pray. Praying is another connection point, worship and prayer, connecting to God. You can pray and connect with God. And when you do, the Holy Spirit goes to work, Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You want to keep the Zoe then you need to watch and pray. Number two, you need to seek the truth or pursue it. You need to go after the truth. Don't just let it passively hit you. Get your planner out, just like you do for your vacations. Plan it out. How am I gonna, how am I gonna learn to read the word? How am I gonna listen to it? Some of you, are, you don't read anything. So when I say read the Bible, you're like, that's not for me. You can listen to the Bible on audio on your phone now. Come on, somebody. No excuses. Go after the truth. Seek it out. Go after people that are people of wisdom in your life and seek the truth that's tested and tried and true. And you got to be guarded, though, about the sources of truth that are going in your head. If your source of truth produces fear in you, it's not the truth. If it's producing fear, this is a good litmus test. Even in the church world, there's all kinds of voices pointing fingers at everybody and talking about this and that, people that call themselves prophets, people that are pointing out errors in this church and that church. And meanwhile, all it does is produce fear in you. You need to shut that source off. Go back to the source that produces love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, that's the source you need in your life. I'm saying this as strong as I can without calling out news services and actual people. But let's be real. 
Who are you listening to? Who are you scrolling through? And recognize it's affecting the truth that's in you. It has an impact on your life. Parents, if your kids are going to make it, you have to seek the truth because you reproduce who you are. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love that passage because it doesn't say when he's a teenager or a young adult, he won't depart from it. It says when they're old. So we can hold on to the promise of parents for our kids that go the wrong way. And we can believe in the truth that we planted in them all along the way because the truth will not it will not corrupt them. It will come back up and grow. And later on in their life, if you're praying, that truth that was put in their head, when, even when they're little kids in kids' church, that truth comes back to them later on. They'll remember it, and God will use it to draw them back into the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen to that? All right, number three, and this is my last one. If you want to keep the Zoe in your life, you've got to wear your armor. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is speaking to the church He's speaking to Emmanuel. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How many have heard of the armor of God before? Some of you, maybe it's your first time. Paul uses visual language, metaphor language, to help us understand spiritual truth. And so when he speaks about different parts, and I'm only going to focus on three of them today, of those When he speaks about those, he's wanting you to go, I can connect that back to my own life. So he talks about a picture of a warrior that has armor on, and uh, and then he talks about the different parts and how they relate to the truth and how it's supposed to be a part of you. So when you read the word, it's protection for you. It's a part of your warfare against the, it's not just a good thing that the pastor tells you to read. It's actually something meant for you. So the person next to you say he's talking about you. So the first one I just want to mention is the belt of truth. The belt of truth, now it talks about body armor. What do belts do? They hold it in. Some of our belts have to be bigger than others, right? But I want you to consider this, that the truth that he's talking about and that I've been preaching about today and Jesus' truth has to be Your truth or other parts of your armor won't work. Your armor will drop if your truth drops. So if you let go of it, it's going to have a bad impact on other parts of your story. You can't just only have one part of Christianity and then leave the rest or pick and choose what you want. No, it all works together. That's why you seek to lean into it. And drift occurs when we remove ourselves from the safety net of truth. We take the belt of truth off, and then we are left vulnerable. After church, every week I see people who approach me, and they have genuine questions about what I believe and what the Bible says, and you fill in the blank about different things. 
But when we do, and, and we're talking, I, 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 I pause, and I listen to what the real question is. And one of the questions that they're really asking me is, do you, do you really believe that's what the Bible says is true? You mean that God cares about my sexuality? You mean that God cares about how I treat people? You mean God cares about whether or not I take care of the poor? Yes, that's what the truth is. If I walk away from the truth, I drop my belt. Now, I don't yell at the people at the front when we're talking and stuff like that. We have a conversation. But I just want you to catch, it's all a part of it. That's why we need to seek to understand what's in the truth. If you don't know and you're getting your best ideas from, from sociology class or, or at the college or you're getting it from the news or you're getting it from the music you listen to, you might not be listening to the whole truth. Nothing but the whole truth. Proverbs 23, 23, get the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Psalm 119, the very essence of your words is true. All your just regulations will stand forever. You got to put the belt of truth on. The next one, Jody's going to help me with. How many know when you're in doubt and you're not sure about your message, you bring the ringer in. Oh, and gosh. so uh, would you give it up for Jody? She's going to help me with the helmet of salvation. All right. Is this so uh, a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to speak at our prayer service on the helmet of salvation. And so Pastor Nate asked me to give this little illustration to you today. So uh, my boys, as you know, uh, we have four sons, and they all played football. And so we had a chance to coach football, watch football. I love football. It's a short season. My, you know, it's a short season. Sorry, guys. Um, and so it's just like a great time. But there's a lot of strategy behind football. And so we would just watch our kids. Like when you begin a game, the big kids with the red stripes when our kids were little, those were the heavyweight kids. And we had a team with no red stripers. So it was like, oh, wow, this is going to be kind of scary. Or you go to football games and they're doing their jumping jacks. And there's, there's just a head game that's part of uh, football. And so when I was getting ready for that message, the Lord, I just began to go through so many things that I was like feeling defeated and feeling all, you know, just kind of down. And the Lord uh, had me dig into the salvation, the helmet of salvation. And what I realized is that is where our hope is. Our hope is for uh, salvation. So I'm going to put this helmet on. <laughs> all right. So this is my son, David's helmet. Uh, he, it's junky on purpose, he told me. Okay. So anyhow, when we put on our helmet, it is the last thing that goes on when we're ready for battle. And it's the first thing, thing that comes off when we come off the field. And so we can be out in the field of life and all of a sudden things start happening. The pandemic. Oh my goodness. Our, our finances, everything's getting shut down. I miss people. I miss church. People are accusing me of things or there's financial troubles or kids are being rebellious. And if you're not careful, you have a temptation to let those thoughts go in your mind. And we forget that we put on the helmet of salvation and that we are in a battle. And so the enemy comes at us and all of a sudden he takes a cheap shot. And it's like, wait a minute. And like you go, ref, didn't you see that? And as we've seen it so many times with kids, they come off the field and they throw their helmet and they're like, I quit. And when you throw your helmet, you're giving up and saying, I'm off the field, I'm out of the game. And what the Lord wants us to do when it comes to the helmet of salvation, don't throw your helmet. And as, as we're thinking like, you know, I quit, 
And there's times that I have to battle that in my mind. Like, I, just the defeat, the things that the enemy will come, and it's just so easy to quit. And God's like, yeah, quit the right things. Quit complaining. Quit feeling defeated. Quit groaning and griping. And quit believing the lies of the enemy. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you, Emmanuel, don't throw your helmet and don't quit. All right. She's good. John, I want you to help me out here with the next one. The final piece of armor I want you to consider. I have a sword. And uh, this, is, this is a serious sword. It's from, actually, missionary uh, Dick Brogdon got it for me, if you know who Dick is. Missionary in the Middle East, Africa, and just been all over the world. But he said this was from the Fuzzy Wuzzy tribe. And... Uh, it actually, he said it might have actually killed people, and then I just got scared right there. The last thing that Paul said is, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I want you to consider that when it comes to your fight, that you do have a weapon to fight with. And that weapon is the Word, but it's also a part of your worship. So when it comes to the spirit of the living God, he says, it's the sword of the spirit. And when you take the sword of the spirit in your hands, you're able to tackle life and protect yourself. If you wanna keep your life, keep your Zoe, then you need to change your perspective a little bit and understand, listen, I can't just get caught up in fighting my way with my hands. I need the sword of the Spirit. You take the Word of God and you begin to pray the Word of God out, worship the Word of God out, lift it up. It becomes something powerful, and the Spirit uses that to slay the enemy. And all the obstacles that you might have in your life. When Jesus said, those that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth, something happens because the word of truth when the word of truth and worship in the spirit happen, something powerful, God steps in and he fights your battles. He's the one that carves the way out of the jungle. He's the one that enables you to get somewhere when you feel like you can't get anywhere. And I want you to know today that the sword of the spirit that God has given us as a church, we need to not keep it in the closet. We need to be able to say, no, we're going to consistently listen to God's word. We're going to follow his spirit. And we are going to beat the enemy by worshiping the Lord. Because when we connect with him, the spirit of God steps in. He takes the sword and he does his work. So every time that you gather, whether it's a group of friends for prayer or you gather for church on Sunday morning, or perhaps right now you're at home in the kitchen or the living room with your family, when you begin begin to worship with the rest of the body of Christ, there is an unseen world where God is going to work on your behalf. And you can trust him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is your way maker. He is the one that you can get behind. And when you follow his way and his truth, something powerful can happen in your story. When you surrender and allow him to make you new in real time, maybe some of you today. You need to give your life to Jesus because you're living life on your own. You're swinging by yourself, but you need to surrender and be born again as 
Jesus told Nicodemus. And today is your day to surrender and say, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need a Savior. This is good news. You can be born again right now in this service. You can give your life to Jesus and be made new. Some of us have already done that, and it's time to be made renewed, to allow the Spirit to go to work in our life, and to allow Him to win the battles for us. And I'd like to ask you to do this on each of our locations. Would you stand with me today? Would you just stand right where you're at? And then once you're standing, just close your eyes, and nobody looking around in Maple Grove or Elk River or Spring Lake Park or, or in Lakeville, nobody, just you and Jesus. If you're here today, and you would say, Pastor Nate, I need Jesus. I need to be born again. Because you've never given your life to Christ. Or you're here today, you're like, I need to come back to Jesus because I've been fighting my own battles. I've been resting on Jesus and I need to come home. Nobody's looking around, but you say, I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to come back to him. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. Yep, 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 yep. All around the room. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 people here in Lakeville. I know it's happening in Spring Lake Park right now and it's happening in our other locations. Right now you're saying, yes, I wanna be born again. I wanna be made new today, that's you. All right, if you raise your hand, I wanna lead you in a prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud and just meet it from your heart and Jesus will hear you and everybody else, you can join right in with us. Just say this prayer, say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, and you rose from the dead. And I know that you're alive. Today, I surrender to you. Please make me new. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house today. Wow, what a great day today. Praise the Lord for everybody who just said yes to following Jesus. That's a huge deal. And we're a church who wants to be much more than a video to you. And if you wanna take that next step in your faith and you wanna explore what that journey could look like, uh, would you partner with us? And you can do that by texting the word Emmanuel to 313131. If you text us that, we're gonna be able to do two things. We're gonna be able to reply with resources for you to get a Bible and this fresh start book in your hands, and two, just to get to know you and connect with you. Our life of faith is not meant to be done alone, so let's keep going together. I'm so encouraged by the words of Pastor Nate today as he let us know how we can keep the Zoe, the life of our spirit alive. We can do a couple of things. We can seek the truth, and remember, if that truth is instilling fear, it's likely not the real truth, Jesus. And don't forget, wear your armor, put on the belt of truth, keep on your helmet of salvation like Pastor Jody let us know, and protect, wield the sword of the spirit. If we keep these things, we can continue moving forward and protect the life of our spirit. I am praying that you are blessed this week as we continue to do life together. I'm so excited. May you continue to love God and love others better this week. We love you and we'll see you on the next one.